morning. <clears throat> Welcome to Pigeon Post. My name is Michael. Once again, you find me, oh, sorry, stretching, uh, <laughs> in my car on the way to work. And um, I just wanted to talk for a minute about why I do these. Um, I think about, um, I was at Chipotle last night with my kids and um, I don't know, I just uh, started singing. We were sitting outside. There was, I think there was like one other person out there. I just started singing the chorus to the song, uh, My Glorious, or not the chorus, but the ending. Maybe it is the chorus, I don't know. But it basically just says My Glorious. And I was raising my hand and uh, my son Ezra was raising his hand and my daughter was singing. And, um, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't trying to make some kind of a show. I was just, I like to worship God, especially with my kids. Just let them know they can worship God anywhere. And, um, but I think about that and how, you know, I don't know what other people in the restaurant, there weren't that many people there. Um, like I said, we were outside, but I just think like, you know, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can, you know, pray over their meal. And, you know, we, we don't always do this. Um, but we stopped in, in the middle of the meal to pray for somebody. Because um, Kelly was, my wife Kelly was telling me about something. And then we just kind of praised God right there. And I just think that is really different. It's really different than what the world has. Um, I also think about um, my students who um, were given the question, um, where do you find hope? Or what do you hope in? I can't remember how the question was exactly phrased. And um, they answered things like, sleep. Um, someone said, my dog. Um, I think someone said, just doing a good job or something like that. And then someone said that they found hope in their grandma. I think about a lot of things when I do these podcasts. <laughs> They're usually, I, I feel like they're usually the best when, I, when I'm thinking about these things. Um, I think about family members who don't know the Lord and how I don't really know what they're living for. I don't know how they would answer that question. What do you find hope in? I mean, if somebody finds hope in their dog, that's not going to last very long or their grandma. If somebody finds hope in just getting through the day or doing a good job, those things are not sources of lasting hope. Everything that we have is temporary. It's not gonna last. If I find hope in even the best things, like let's say my children, uh, what do I do if one of my children gets sick or dies? What do I do if I die and don't get to see them grow up? 
If my hope is dependent upon circumstances, it's a very flimsy hope. And if I don't believe in God, or I don't really know uh, if God is in control of things, then that's even worse because I don't know. I'm, I'm basically a victim of chance and my own efforts and strength. So you end up having to either not have hope because you can't really have hope in chance or just putting your hope in yourself. But like we can't, like the Bible says, we can't make one of our hairs on our head turn black or gray. We can't change anything about ourselves. Um, in a physical sense, especially, we, we're weak. Um, and in a moral sense, we're weak. We might think that we're strong. But you've probably had those moments where you're like, I can't believe I just did that. So, thinking about all these things, and um, I thought about a verse today, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He made him knew no sin so it's God made Christ to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him this isn't talking about God creating Christ Christ is uncreated um, he's the son of God what we call the second person of the Trinity um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit but it's that when Jesus died on the cross that God put the sin of the world on Christ um, and he did it on behalf of all of those who would put their trust in Christ and um, so I looked that verse up and it's in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and there's a couple more verses in there um, in fact I think it's verse 17, 19, and 21. And uh, I just want to talk about those and about something called the Great Exchange. So if you are uh, in one position, um, I'll just give a, a simple example. Let's say, well, I'll give a real, a real world example about something that I traded or exchanged. Have you ever made a trade or an exchange and you thought, I got a good deal out of that? Or maybe you just thought that just had to be done. <laughs> like uh, I've had my wife's old Ford Explorer, um, which needed all kinds of work, just slowly started becoming um, decrepit and just, you know, basically became a driveway um, ornament, just sat there. And um, so eventually we gave up on it and we were just trying to get rid of the thing. We just needed it out of the driveway. And I didn't want to sell it for $500, but that is what happened. And uh, I thought to myself, you know what? That was a good trade. It just, not because I got the amount of money that I wanted for it, but just because it went away. It needed to go away. <laughs> so, um, so there's trades like that, right? I wouldn't call that a great exchange. Um, there's also trades that uh, we feel really good about. So I had a really good job 
uh, but was driving uh, a very long distance to go there um, and wasn't making the money that I, I needed to make um, to keep my family afloat. And uh, I went on different job interviews and got accepted on one and then another one came up and um, it was for significantly more, significantly more amount of money. And uh, this is money that we really can't live without. So I, I'd had, I would have had to taken, had to have taken the job that I was offered if this one didn't go through. And it did go through. And I did make um, more money than I was making before, and more than I than I could have made even with the closer job. And um, that was a great exchange. That was a real load off. Um, just great. <laughs> so you can think of great exchanges that you've made in your life. But I wanted to talk you talk with you about the great exchange. And um, I want to use these three verses to do so. And I want you to think if you've ever if you have any like preconceived ideas of Jesus. Um, maybe you were taught certain things about what we're supposed to do to get right with God. That's like the biggest question, right? Like, how do we get right with God? Listen to these verses. Second um, Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. A new creation." Imagine that your body is wasting away. Um, for some of us, that's easier to imagine than others. And I'm not making light of that at all. It, it's hard to be sick. I've seen it firsthand. And it's hard to get a disease and not know what's going to happen. Imagine that you were able to trade your body in for a new body. You would feel like a brand new person. Imagine that you had something in your past that you had done that was so horrible. You didn't even know why you did it and you wish that you could change something about your past. Imagine being able to wipe that clean. Not just so that people forgive you, but so that it is as if it never happened. This is what this verse is conveying to us. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means God sees you as brand new. Not as full of sins that you've committed. Not as um, broken under the weight of those sins. But healed. And not just healed, where you can still see the scars, but brand new. A brand new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I hear some churches um, and Christians teach that um, salvation is something that you don't really know about until you actually die and find out whether you're saved or not. Or they teach that you can lose it so that, you know, you 
are kind of good with God, and then if you do something bad, then God is like, no, you know, you're not really mine anymore. And so you can kind of lose your salvation and keep kind of popping in and out of God's good grace. Um, that is heresy. Um, and so that makes, you know, official Roman Catholic doctrine heretical. It makes Eastern Orthodox teaching heretical. It makes um, a lot of what some churches teach heretical. You cannot lose your salvation because it's antithetical to Scripture. It's antithetical to the idea that God has really made a new creation. If you're offended right now because you're one of those things I mentioned, stop being offended. Rejoice in the fact that God can make you brand new, a brand new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Does God throw our sin in the ocean and then go back and dig it up and rub our face in it? Is that what God does? Does he make us brand new people? When Jesus talks about the new birth. Does he make a brand new person with, as Revelation says, we have a name that no one else knows. God has written down for us. Does he make us a new person? Um, like Ephesians says that he has chosen us in Christ. If God has done all these things, he must be stupid because he doesn't know that we're going to mess up and sin. Brothers and sisters, God is not stupid. <laughs> God knows everything that's going to happen. He doesn't make a new creation and then say, oh, I made a mistake. I need to, uh, you know, divorce you and get you out of my family. He doesn't do that to those who are in Christ. This verse says, if anyone, it's talking about individuals. This is an individual salvation experience that's happening here. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you don't know God, if you don't know Christ, you have the opportunity before you to be a brand new creation. And not just a fresh start where you get a second chance that you can mess up again, but to be a brand new person in Christ. If we go down to verse 19, 2 Corinthians 19, it says that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and that he's given to us the message of reconciliation. And Paul goes on to say that we're imploring you, we're begging you, be reconciled to God. Like, this is something that you can have. This is something that you can do and participate in is to be reconciled. Imagine that you're estranged from someone. Oh man, I know someone who is estranged from a family member. And whether you are the person who's supposedly at fault or not, estrangement is ugly. It's wrong. It is something that we know is bad. Like it was, like we were thinking about before, we wish we could undo that. And we're estranged from God. We're estranged from God by our own choices and sins, by, by being rebels against Him. 
We're estranged from him. We don't do what he said to do. We don't give him glory. We don't worship him in the way that he's given to us. We don't recognize him for who he is in scripture. We're estranged from God. But God has done something. In Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting sins against you. This is the best news ever. This is the best exchange you could think of. Think about being a rebel against a king or someone who's committed treason and being able, instead of suffering the punishment and the eviction and the um, the crimes that that you're that you're guilty of and all the implications of those crimes. Think about being reconciled. Think about when you've sinned against a friend, when you've done something wrong, when you've said something that you air quotes didn't mean to say, or when you've done something horrible against someone. Think about how good it feels for that person to forgive you. Maybe that person didn't forgive you. I think about all the times that I've sinned against my wife and how many times she's had to forgive me. And you can think about any of those relationships that sometimes get strained by sin. How much more our relationship with God because every sin that we have committed is ultimately against Him. It's a violation of who we are and who He is. He made us to glorify Him, and He deserves glory. So that alone is a horrible sin. But God has reconciled you through Christ, not counting your sins against you. Well, who did He count them against? If He didn't count your sins against you, how is he reconciling you in Christ? Who is taking the punishment for those sins? Who's taking the weight of that ugliness and decay and darkness? Who's taking your punishment? That's Christ. In Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. This is open to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. And we're ambassadors of Christ. I'm, I'm talking to you as someone who is, has been reconciled from all of the sin and ugliness that I'm talking about. I'm including myself in it. But God has made me a new creation. And I'm telling you, be a new creation in Christ. Be reconciled to God. I'm begging you. You get one life. You get one life and when you die, it's over. Whatever family you're in, whatever team you're on, when you die, that's it. If you're an old creation, that old creation will pass away because God will destroy sin and death and hell. And all who are rebels against him, he will justly destroy his enemies. Don't remain an enemy of God. Be reconciled to God. I've been reconciled to God. I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, be reconciled to God. When I think of friends and family members, and even acquaintances, 
I, I see people playing with their kids and they would never want anything bad to happen to their kids. And yet, they don't seek the Lord. And to some extent, they don't teach their kids to seek the Lord. Or maybe um, you don't believe the gospel that I'm describing here, but something else that your church teaches. So not only are you leading yourself astray, you're leading your kids astray. Those are massive, massive things to gamble with. And it's not a gamble because we already know what's going to happen. That if your faith is not in Christ alone for your salvation, you're not reconciled to God. You're still part of the old creation. Think about Noah's Ark. You're not in Christ. You're not in the Ark. So back to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, that is those who trust in Christ, for our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that, he might, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's in a great exchange for God to take your sin, past, present, and future, and 2,000 years ago to put all of that sin upon Jesus and that he would bear your iniquities, as it says in Isaiah 53. I think it's weird that some religious people disagree with what I'm describing here, which theologians call double imputation. You disagree that we can have a righteousness that's not our own. Uh, well, do you think that Jesus had a sin that's not his own? Of course he did. So it's right here in Scripture. It's many other places. Read Isaiah 53. He bore our iniquities. Past, present, future. So that we could become a new creation. So that we could be reconciled in God. So that we could have the righteousness of Christ. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But if we are in Christ... It's like being attached to the vine. We will bear fruit because of what's coursing through the vine. Because we're in Christ, we'll bear fruit. We'll have good righteousness happening to us. But it's not of our own. It's His. It's like a robe that we wear. Um, it's, it's coming from Him and God's just using us as a conduit for that. So you don't have to have this weight upon you to be good enough for God. Yes, he calls you to obedience. Yes, he calls you to love and acts of mercy and all of those things. But those things don't save you. We're saved by the righteousness of someone else. The righteousness of Christ. So that's the great exchange. Um, Traditionally, it's linked to 2 Corinthians 5.21, but I think those early verses just help flesh it out. So I'd encourage you to read 2 Corinthians 5, especially verses 17, 19, and 21 that I focused on today. And once again, I just want to implore you, what are you going to do with your life? 
What are you going to do with your soul? If you gain the whole world, is that worth your soul? Somebody once said that the Bible, they've kind of summarized what the Bible and the gospel teaches. And that is that if you're born once, you're going to die twice. You will die a physical death, and you'll die a spiritual death afterwards, forever. But if you're born twice, you only die once. You're born as a baby, physically, and then born again. You're a new creation. And you only die once because that new creation is not going to pass away. It's not going to pass away. You will die like everyone else. But you will be resurrected like Jesus. You'll be brought in to the kingdom of God that we normally call heaven. I encourage you to think about these things. I love you. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.